Hello, hello friends, and welcome to another episode of Black Band T-Shirt Revisited. Uh, my name's Ollie Connors, and I'm here, as ever, with my sidekick, best friend and co-host, Chris Morant. How are we today, Chris? Hello, hello, tired. <laughs> and, uh, yes, yeah, so we've got a two-part uh, Revisited this week, uh, first part of which we welcome back on board Mr. Rob Barber. How are we today, Rob? Hello there. Well, as you can see, Ollie, I am in the artwork of the album that we're discussing today. <laughs> yes, it, it fits wonderfully well. <laughs> yes, yeah, I, I found a very, like a perfectly cropped version of it so that uh, my head can sit comfortably within the giant space helmet that the, uh, I want to say, adolescent child is uh, is in on the original cover. Today, I am that adolescent. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, Coheed and Cambria. <laughs> I mean, uh, sorry, so uh, just, you know, I know there's a format here, but just straight off, all I want to say about this is another, just their commitment to bad artwork yeah. at this point is unparalleled. Yeah, I think it's a strong shout for second worst, this one. Oh, easily, easily. Yeah. I mean, the thing is, I think, yeah, we can get into this, but I think that it probably is part of this this five album series that we're now to into. Yeah. If it's all going to look like a 90s video game, yeah. I, I mean, you've got to admire that right it does make me kind of more excited to see what the next one looks like <laughs> than, than i would have been otherwise just how terrible <laughs> it'll be as, as part of my prep for this i was looking for you know previous conversations that we'd had about um about coheed and other people because the artwork is something that comes up a lot with uh, yeah. our mutual friend rich on twitter who i think mm. you had on for the manix episode yes, recently that's right and I, I said something about Biffy Clyro, but mm. he swiftly corrected me that there, there is no band whose output is so inversely proportional in quality <laughs> to, to their artwork as, uh, as Coheed. And with this album, they've simply um, solidified that in my mind. <laughs> <laughs> well, the, the dude looks a bit, a bit like um, Idris Elba playing Heimdall. Um, I'm glad you said that. I worried about <laughs> being racist. He does. It's yeah. space Idris. <laughs> Anyway, as well covered there, we are here to cover um, Conan and Cambria's, that's okay, Vaxis 2, A Window of the Waking Mind. So not not the longest album uh, title, that's uh, that's a good start. And, I mean, um, that, that is a good start with Conan, isn't it? <laughs> Still nonsensical, but... Um, I, I celebrate the return of Act 2, or uh, <laughs> Volume, or, uh, you know, whatever you want to be. Sure, sure. And yeah, um, so this was released a few months ago. Uh, obviously, um, we've been quite busy, but um, finally managed to yeah track you down to talk about uh, after our four-part odyssey in the first instance. We got you back on board to talk about this new one. So, okay, um, I'm thinking this is going to be. Hmm, um, I'm thinking this is going to be a contrasting podcast. That's what um, I fully expect. I know that you love this. Yeah, and, and I've been dying to talk about it as well because yeah. um, I'm out here in Amsterdam mm-hmm. and um, my my friends back home that I've actually seen uh, mm-hmm. aren't really Coheed fans. Right. My friends here who like rock music aren't into Coheed and the one guy who is hasn't listened to this album yet. Mm-hmm. And, you know, my wife is, is a fan who, you know, who you've met many times, but she just, yeah. Coheed bring out a level of nerdiness in me that <laughs> she just doesn't want to be involved in. Yeah. <laughs> so, Chris, Chris, what are your general thoughts? I am predicting I'm going to be sat neatly in between the two of you. Okay. I, this I, is exactly we what I thought was going to happen. So we haven't so talked, good. we haven't talked about this at all. Mm-hmm. We've kind of saved it for this. Yeah. Rob's made no secret on Twitter and on our messages <laughs> what he thinks about it. So I kind of knew where he was going to be coming from, uh, but I've had no idea. But I've had, based on other conversations we've had during the podcast and about Coheed, a fairly good idea of where I think you're going to be. And I'm predicting I'm going to be yeah, fairly neatly in the middle. <clears throat> well, just like the last one, I don't hate this, but it's too much. It's just... <sighs> too... <laughs> 13 songs, 53 minutes. Okay, that's a bit more editing than last time, but man, like it's, yeah, it's the album equivalent of Marvel movie. It's just so much all the time. 
it's just there's no nuance anymore to Cohen and Cambria. It's all bombast. Every single second you're listening to it, and yeah, yeah, it is. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Oh, it's, it's fucking just, amazing. It's just <laughs> so much of an assault on your ears. Like it's hard. Like there's just so much going on all the time. You can't pick out the songs. I do, I don't. I, I again. So this is where I'm kind of sort of like a diluted version of that. Mm. I think like my the thing that I noted was the fact I don't quite know how you say his name. Zach is it Savini? Right. Who's who's co-produced it with Claudio? So obviously, I think was the last one completely self-produced. I believe so. Yeah. And we talked about how there was no one kind of sat in the room going, maybe cut that bit. Yeah. Or maybe. Yeah, yeah. And all the songs being too long. I feel like that has had an effect here, where it's a good half hour shorter as an album, and a lot of the songs stop where they should stop. This. Yeah. <laughs> whereas they agree. didn't before, and I wonder if having that extra person involved on the production stuff helped with that of kind of going, yeah, I think that's a good bit to end it on or you know whatever yeah. um, but I'm not a fan of Zach's other produ- or general production style and I think that maybe plays into what you're getting from it being a lot all the time he's a very modern sounding rock producer yeah. we're talking like Beartooth and like yeah. the really polished mechanical almost sounding rock production which is just not mm-hmm. my thing at all so, so um, actually I'm going to start with by saying something that you might find surprising I, I fucking hate the production on this album I think yeah. it's absolute dog shit um, really? and I've actually I have actually had a brief conversation on Twitter with um, Josh Eppard who I'm probably going to mention more times <laughs> than any other member of this I band I think I saw today. this yeah, yeah. so I'm, I'll, let's just keep this tight and punchy um, for me, I think this album is incredible. I texted you on the 24th of June. I said, the new Coheed is instant top five for me, maybe even top three. Need to wrap my head around the SoundCloud rap 80 synth stuff. So yeah. let, we'll get onto that, right? So I did wrap my head around it. Um, and yeah. I do love this album. However, I love it in spite of the production. I think this contains some of the best songs that Claudio, has, uh, Claudio and Travis have written. And I think that they succeed in spite of a production job that is doing everything it can to suppress it um and i think that that is uh, a major problem in two key areas which for coheed are uh, it's massive the guitar tones all over this album yeah. sound like it's been done in fucking garage band and, and inconsistent right that's the thing, inconsistent wildly inconsistent and the drums are so compressed that yeah. it's horrible right which and, is the kid that's the main thing i'm getting at with yeah. zach's production is that drum compression absolutely it's yeah. it's it's 10 out of 10 all the time constant like you said i have to actually agree with ollie here it is it just way too much constantly Hmm. it sort of works on some songs i think the songs are so good that that doesn't matter but i think it's really interesting that um josh i i I said to him that i think that his actual performance on this is is a career best and his reply to me kind of focused on what the drums sound like rather than how his playing is. And you can see, I should have pulled it up, but you can see him talk himself around to, yes, Mm. I did a good performance of this album, but I don't Mm. like the way the drum sounds. Mm. He has now got a YouTube channel. And what he primarily does is live play-alongs of tracks from this album. And I suggest listening to one of those videos because hearing the drums live in the room yeah. On on top of the recorded song, it's it's so much better. It's what Coheed is meant to sound like, right? Yeah. Like there's actually a human playing yeah. that instrument. Mm. Mm. But I can't deny how much I love the tracks themselves, okay. and and that for me is is kind because of, you know it, it's it's Coheed. Like the they 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 have a sound, but their production has it, it does vary, you know. Mm. And, and I well, think, yeah, I think, I think, I mean, just quickly while we're on it, I think I, mm. I may as well get it in. That's what I've decided in the end is my best thing overall about the album is that they are, have made a deliberate choice to go with a producer that's going to make them sound modern, mm. to try and 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 take that risk and try something different, and with the the more synths that they're bringing in as as a. <laughs> A, a very much a case of uh, lockdown boredom from the sounds of it um, and things 100%. like that. Um, but the fact that, that they're willing to do that and have openly acknowledged that they've done that because they don't want to become a stale legacy band. Mm. I have like, a lot of respect for at this point. Um, still experimenting 20 years yeah. into their career. I mean, yeah. I, I think, uh, Ollie, I'm sh- you probably disagree with me on this because you're two for two now on, you know, this album's fine. But for me, what they've done, um, basically, 
pretty consistently since 2015 um, that I think only, I think we've said this before, but again, I think it's for me, it's only thrice of the quote unquote legacy bands who, who mm. are who are in this bracket too. When they release a new album, I'm, I'm, you know, I'm open to it perhaps becoming my second or third favorite release of theirs. Sure. Like, I don't think either of those bands is ever going to top the, the the album that I have an emotional and nostalgic connection yeah. to. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But I'm not, it's not like when, uh, who's just to pluck a name out of thin air, fucking either Bayside or Newfound Glory drop an album. Mm-hmm. Like, I'll listen to it, but yeah. it's, it's fine, whatever. There's two songs on here that I'm going to put on a playlist, you know? Taking Back Sunday, one could argue. Yeah, that's great. That's a much better example. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm. They just stopped trying, basically. Mm. They, in fact, they haven't even released an album at this point since 2016, I think. Mm. So, sh- should we get into the songs themselves? Or yeah, do you do sure. That on the on the because yes, um, yeah, absolutely. Um, no, no, no. Th- th- I mean, yeah, there are some real standouts here, definitely. Um, I mean, you know, the best place to start here is um, well, we actually talked about it on the uh, last episode, didn't we? Shoulders. I think we did because it had just come out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What a fucking banger. But yeah. even better in context, I think. Yes. Like it makes a lot more sense because mm-hmm. that guitar sound was instantly slightly off putting for me. Yeah. It was a bit mm-hmm. like, what's going on? And I think, Chris, you had a similar reaction, if I remember correctly. I think it reminded me of, uh, I think when I was about 16, I bought one of those plastic Digitech multi effects <laughs> pedals. <laughs> And it made me think of one of those. With the built the built in wah-wah pedal that yeah, yeah, just snaps yeah, yeah, yeah. off after yeah. a week. That's it. I played gigs with that thing. Yeah. Everyone who played guitar in a provincial rock band did. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh yeah. And again, like you said, that sounds like a deliberate choice. I think it, i I'm much less averse to it in the context of this album, but that's probably because it's come we, I think we've brought, we've been hit with the auto tune by the time shoulders comes on. Uh, <laughs> no, that that's No, that's it's immediately on. after it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I would actually start with um with comatose. I, I, I think that if you can Comatose you can get, is great, yeah. Comatose is just a classic coheed pop banger. Yeah. Like that—that that was what was I think. Again, I really liked the last album, but at, aside from Old Flames, I think that's what was really missing. Right? That, yeah. They do these two things really well, and I think there are two really good examples on this album. I think that Comatose is a really good example of the like pop banger rock club yeah. classic thing mm, they do. Mm. And then later on, I think there's a really good example of one of those. Hey, I mean, we're basically Rush. Uh, sorry, they, they used to well, do so well. Actually, actually, I'd be interested to um, get Chris's opinion on Comatose here because the um, era it most reminded me of was The Colour Before the Sun. Interesting. I've got that about a couple of other ones. Mm. I didn't particularly get that. I mean, I, I've got... I thought this was one where the production style being different particularly kind of stood out to me in places. Yeah. There's some very 80s guitar production going on. Yeah. Or 80s sort of guitar tones and things. Um, yeah, it's kind of one that sits... It's sort of in the top half, but just about I sure. think, for me overall. Okay. My my best thing about it is actually the drum performance 100%. in that one. I think there's that there's that particular section that's almost like Nico McBrain style kind of um, just just really cool. He's playing he's out of his before. skin all over this entire album. Yeah, and mm. I think that must that has to contribute to his. I wouldn't be happy if. I played like that and that's how it sounded yes. like that's what the, the it, I feel I mean I'm not a production nerd but that's a lie but I'm not a production <laughs> expert I'm just uh, a white guy with opinions but like um it strikes me that we're hearing very little of what actually happened in the room right yeah. every single tom snare bass drum hit seems to have been processed or triggered to within an inch of its life but like yeah. you said it kind of works for this song yeah Mm. Um, and shoulders again, just like a, a insane groove. It's just a, like yeah. a, a mammoth of a song. Like, oh yeah, like yeah. The, the yeah. Despite your problem, um, your guys' valid problems with uh, with the sound of guitars, the actual riff riff itself is killer. Yes, yeah. And yeah. I mean the cor- Claudio's vocal in the chorus is, yeah, is yeah. the best thing about it for me. Mm. I think yeah. it's one of those proper. When he, you know those like, rare like, songs where it, he really it, it, goes it reminded for it me most just, of like the Welcome Home chorus, yes, that kind of thing, that yeah. kind of like huge yeah. epic. Yeah. yeah. Oh no, I'll drop the E word. <laughs> um, <laughs> but um, I think um, best song on the record for me, and I think you're going to agree here, Rob. Actually, 
Um, Liars Club. Liars Club, just one of the best. I would have to agree with Mike Kemsley here. One of the best songs Sadio's ever written. Just yeah. one of just an all timer chorus on that song. Mm. Yeah. I'm sort of surprised it's your favourite, actually, Ollie. But I, again, I can never. I should stop trying to get a second guess your taste. It's, it's just it, it, it's just one of the rare moments um, where uh, on this album where they stop concentrating on trying to put everything all at once mm. on the track and actually have some sound like they're having some fun. Very fair point, and yeah, it does fun. That's a great way of describing it. It just you put it on and like joy just bounce jumps out of the speakers and it's really just, infectious as well just like just like yeah like you say a classic cohesive single yeah. in, in in the vein of favor house of atlantic or the suffering you know they're having fun on those songs and this is and lives club is yeah very much in line it's got that. all those little rhythmic quirks and little things like that going mm. on i noticed that are something they don't do as much as they yeah, used yeah. to i did notice that about it do you, do, you want, do you want to take us through the rest of your top four chris yeah, like I said, I think that's ended up probably my number four in the end. Mm. Uh, Shoulders is my number two. Yeah. Um, yeah, my number three's ended up actually, well, okay. I want to talk, my number one and my number three are both part of something that I think is really interesting about the album and mm. another sign of them sort of trying deliberately to mix it up a bit. Yeah. So, uh, Ladders of Supremacy is not in my top four. Okay. But, yeah, again, great fun. But well, what I love about it is it's it was meant to be the opening track to Unheavenly Creatures originally. Oh, okay. Of course it was. Those guitars. Like yeah. that this is this is and cozy, that instant thing. This is that traditional big epic opener, right? Mm, yeah. Which on this album they don't do. For the mm. first time, they do not do well. I say no, it's, it's a direct the sun, continuation, but, isn't it, from yeah, the previous right. album, essentially. Yeah. So they don't have that traditional big, long, epic, massive-sounding opener. Instead, yeah. they've put it at the beginning of this closing uh, three mm. that are all almost acts like the end suite, like they've had before, yeah, but without yeah, yeah. kind yeah. of officially saying so. Like winning um, well and complete Valorium Camper, that yeah. sort of. Yeah, because uh, those last three songs are like the longest songs on the record, the most progressive songs on the record in terms of structure and everything. It's like that's that bit, yeah. You know, um, so Ladder of Supremacy I think is great, but I think it's quite swampy and again very much the biggest case of everything all at once, all mm, the time. Mm. A bit. Uh, but Rise is it Nayanasha? Is that okay. how you say that? I don't know. Let's the just cut, call it Cut the Cut the cord. cord. That'd be easier. <laughs> uh, that's that's my number one song in the end. Okay, um, and I think. I mean, first of all, I, it's that fact that it seamlessly comes in from uh, Ladders of Supremacy. Do yeah. Muse know that they stole a song title off them, by the way? <laughs> oh, really? <laughs> Ladders of Supremacy. It's only oh, right. Yeah, one okay, person, gotcha. Is, is yeah. it a thing, though? Maybe um, it's a thing. I mean, they're both a bit wacko, aren't they? Yeah. So. <laughs> I mean, and I hate to say it, on first listen, Modern Muse is the first comparison I drew to this album. In terms Ooh. of where they've gone, in terms of the, the the progression as a band that's happened here, and that's only due to a couple of moments. It's not like as a whole thing, but yeah. Um, I can see where you're coming from because what I've noticed in, I mean, like, I'm not going to check out a Modern Muse album. I'm going to listen to reviews <laughs> yeah. and be yeah. like, yeah, that's uh, that sounds like it's still not for me. Just like this band haven't been since about the mid two thousands, but. Um, People have been taking it either as no the the fucking conspiracy not jobs are at it again. This sounds dreadful. This is just queen worship, ready for stadiums, and it's just nonsense. But like some people are saying, no, it's still fucking fun. Like it's so over the top and ludicrous. Um, that yeah. this is what I this is what I want to take from it, and that and that's people who love you know, Euro metal or yeah. um, things like that. And like, um, yeah, um, I, I, I can see why you've taken the, yeah, the the, the, the big OTT nature of um, Cut the Cord. And Not I've Cut also, the Cord necessarily, but definitely uh, the second half of Ladders of Supremacy. I've thought, like um, I also really enjoyed the title track, the end of the title track. I liked the little orchestral um uh, accents to it really um, like oh, that's one of the first times we've heard yeah um, Coheed certainly in a long time um, bring that sort of element into it like can you think of much since the big violin section in Welcome Home yeah not really and and that song's my number three mm. 
Um, again, because I think it's it, it's it, that's one where they do straight, and I, there are moments in there where I think it's quite modern music. There's that bit where it's like they've got the ah backing vocal yeah, thing yeah, going yeah. on, and I'm like, that's ridiculous. But because it's coheed, I kind of find it endearing. Sure. Um, but yeah, I just kind, think- kind of kind of adds to the very space opera feel they're going for yeah. with, the, with the with the cover art. That's it. The- it was the commitment to the <laughs> to, yeah, to the whole yeah, thing. Yeah. I think if this was at the end of the previous album after an hour and 20 minutes and a lot of overlong songs I would have had enough by this point but because it's been an album of fairly short snappy songs up to that point they work a lot better yeah I I think it's it that's actually one of the my favorite things about this album is that it essentially when you go into a coheed album you get one of two historically you've got one of two things Mm. you're Mm -hmm. getting you know sometimes you're going to get just a collection of really great punchy rock songs more often than not you're getting quite a a long album and yeah. with some really long songs on there what what it feels like on this one is you essentially get uh, a short poppy album and mm. then an ep of prop yeah yeah and, and i actually <laughs> i'm really my my songs are essentially the same as yours chris but i mean i i so i'm gonna mix it up and throw in love murder one there just yeah. because yeah okay does the intro sound like uh, Kanye West singing "Gay Fish" on South Park? Yeah, sure, <laughs> it does. But it works. It just—it took me a little while to get around the, the auto tune there. But uh, I'm just going <laughs> on the songs that I found myself singing because I have listened mm. to this album so fucking much this year. Mm. And "Love Murder One" is just one of those choruses that comes back around. And whenever I put the song on, I'm surprised by that intro every single time. Like, oh, this sounds like a SoundCloud rap song yeah. from like ten years ago. But um, <laughs> but what I wanted to just say about window of the waking mind mm. is mm. like i've got a note here that just says given up pretending they aren't rushed uh, <laughs> yeah 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 what if stonehenge by spinal tap was good <laughs> <laughs> because there's a moment on here and i i so right full disclosure i fucking hate tenacious d always mm. have even when i was like in the demographic for it i like yeah, tribute sure. thought that was kind of funny couldn't believe it that when everyone went nuts for the album however I sort of like the bit on this song where Claudio sounds like Jack Black. <laughs> that bit where he goes, the thing that complicates it oh, is yeah. as far and who he is. <laughs> I just, it's, Coheed can do some shit that if any other band did it, I would be like, what the fuck is this? Yeah, and I'm sure. just like, give me more, Daddy Claudio, give me more. <laughs> <laughs> it's off its hits that song it's just yeah and i and i think again it's an example of that thing that you keep that you keep mentioning the everything all at once kind of working for it because the the song's really proggy but like it the the arrangement is quite um crisp if yeah. you know that's a terrible description even though what they're doing is kind of complicated they're doing like this bit is quite easy to listen to this bit's quite easy to listen yeah. to but then you put it all together it's it's a kind of a um, you know, a, a weird song, like yeah, a very yeah. non-traditional structure. Mm. But at any given moment, it's quite easy to pick out what's going on, which is not something you can say about a lot of the tracks on this album. <laughs> yeah, I think it's really there's a re- it's a really clever twist at the end of that song where it takes that turn to suddenly sounding really uplifting to mm. close the whole thing out. Mm. I yeah. think it's a, a genius move as well because mm. there's quite a lot of yeah over the top, almost almost kind of overly dark and kind of in a in an almost pantomime way <laughs> some of those so to actually twist it and just end it on that going back to that first half of the album of those more just straightforward uplifting rock melodies and things mm. to end it that way was a clever idea i think yeah um i just quickly with cut the cord the only thing i didn't say as well i think a big part of probably why it's so popular with me is i've the closest thing i could think of in terms of everything else they've done is it sits somewhere in between good apollo and the world for tomorrow Okay. Oh, I, that's I've got right. Yeah, um, instant classic, unmistakable vibes. Back to good Apollo Four. So yeah, a hundred percent agree with you. To to the point that it actually. So that was one of the singles, right? That was a song that I'd heard. I think okay. this album has made me want to. I, I'm not going to listen to Coheed songs when they drop and just wait for the album. Yeah. yeah. That's the only one that just i like it every bit as much as i as i did but no more and no less mm. it, it almost sounds like it's from a different records and that's yeah. not necessarily a criticism but i think you're absolutely right it's it's so much like oh this is we're getting some textbook coheeds here yeah um, it's got that like funk driven rhythm section again and yeah you know it's all that kind of side of things yeah 
actually, ah, uh, yeah. I um, I, I've just realised what it reminds me of, and it's a song that you absolutely adore, Rob. Um, <laughs> which is why you've gravitated so much to Love Murder One is um, the Hard Sell. Fuck yeah! Oh man, that's <laughs> yeah. yeah. Of Aftermath Ascension, yeah. If I will, I will forgive them so much if the song has a fucking groove and yeah, they yeah. give good groove <laughs> I, I i think if if nothing else what this album really demonstrates again in spite of the production and what and the choices that have been made by you know let's say a majority and not the whole band <laughs> is that um josh eppard and uh zach fuck i've forgotten his name savini um, no, 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 not the producer, dude, the bassist. Oh, right. Uh, I want to say... Wasn't it someone like Cooper? Zach or... Cooper, yeah. Zach Cooper. They are, um, for my money, like, one of, if not the best uh, rhythm section in, in yeah. if it's fair to call them modern rock music, because they are sort of a legacy band at this point. But sure. they they just keep getting better and better, and I've seen some, of the, some footage of them playing some of these songs live, and it, they are just so tune with each other and they seem to be having a, a, such a good time playing it mm. um i think i think it is obviously i would say this a, a, um a shame that the bass is lost to the mix on so many of these tracks because what he's playing is just incredible but mm. it's so buried like mm. comatose has these these really fun little runs on there mm. but you can you can really only pick them out on the second or third listen because they're just part of this whole I I can't disagree with any criticism that you've leveled at this album. I just love it. You know, <laughs> you are right. It's too much. It's it's, it's way too much. But uh, <laughs> I, as far as I'm aware, there were no uh, power tools involved in the making of this album. So, <laughs> <laughs> I, unless we count auto tune as a power tool nowadays. Ooh, yeah, um, very very fair. <laughs> your your rampant enthusiasm for it has yeah. Um, sort of brought me round to a lot of this, um, like remembering how much I liked. I, I, I think what didn't help is that I was making my notes after uh, being sat for four out of five hours in an airport, but um, <laughs> coming back from Limoges in southwest France. But um, uh, just to point out um, some oddities and some negatives. Yeah, yeah. do it. Um, so. Uh, Disappearing Ads was a weird choice for a single, I feel. Um, it was a single. I did not know that. Yeah, I yeah, yeah. That. Well, um, I mean, it's right up there in um, in their current stream stats on Spotify, <laughs> so I can only assume. It's I mean, their band, their band it's photo hiding. on streaming services and things very much is in line with that synthy sound they've gone for in yeah. a couple of those songs. And like, I thought particularly... Sense. Uh, the the sound of the scenes was very nineties uh, trance, which you'll love, Chris. Mm. <laughs> Not. <laughs> um, quick, quick question there, Ollie. Sure. Sorry, I, I know I know that we need to we need to wrap this up fairly shortly. But no, no. do you think that these choices are an attempt to get new fans, or do you think it's just about not wanting to go stale? Because I definitely believe it's partly that, but. I also have to wonder if they are actively trying to recruit new I did uh, enthusiasts, that. which is I did very un that. unusual with bands at this point in their yeah. career, right? Um, I think maybe what it could be is, uh, and it, this leads to a uh, to an uh, to what I think is an interesting question I've got to ask later. I think maybe it's them appealing to different bookers rather than fans. Oh, interesting. So, like, okay. yeah, they're looking. They're looking at festival season next year. They're saying, okay, so we've got this big riffy one in shoulders that'll uh, get us into downloads. We've got this um, more interesting experimental one. You know, maybe two thousand trees or Arctangia might give us a look. Um, you know, just just hypothesizing. I yeah. mean, they're they're, they're they're clearly never going to play Reading and Leeds again. Um, but um, but um, well, you say that, but I mean, again, auto it's a lot of auto tune on this. Album. <laughs> um, but, but and for the but, record, no, I mean, auto tune as an instrument, not like the yeah, yeah, sure, sure. I think but... I, I, I'm basically, I think that the Coheed fan base and anyone who is likely to get into Coheed from this point out is pretty set in stone, yeah. Like, I don't yeah, I think, agree. yeah, um, like people are gonna find. 
Kohi through the love of classic rock and classic metal or um, you know um, like they're not an emo band anymore because you know there's no real emo kids out there anymore um, yeah like uh, yeah I, 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 I think more what they're going for with uh, the single output is, is for someone who might book them for a festival or a tour thinking oh okay that's not what I thought they were maybe I'll consider them for X lot but anyway I'll just um, quickly while we're on that one mm. I'll just quickly say a disappearing act is my worst yeah and okay I, I, I didn't want to mean... I didn't want to be that predictable of mm. the like oh it's too synthy mm. but I mean it's it's more again it, it ties into what I said about the best thing about the album I appreciate and admire the choice to just go for it on a tangent like that with a new sound and everything I don't begrudge them doing it in any way. Mm-hmm. It's just not at all my thing. Sure. Um, and I think it's that disco chorus, does it? It's when it gets to that point, I'm like, yeah, I'm out. I'm out. <laughs> and, and and put the auto-tune down, Claudio. That's not, that's <laughs> not for you, sweetie. That's not... <laughs> I think... Um, <laughs> I feel uh, like... Yeah. I feel like this whole mid-section swings wildly from high to low because you've got comatose followed by shoulders then a disappearing act which yeah. you're not into love murder one which rob adores then my worst blood i was going to now i wanted to bring blood up just because i've got no idea what people would think about this because my prediction was that rob you might quite like it because to me i think it's quite from here to mars maybe mixed with a bit of the afterman uh, that's what I got from it, which I remembered you quite liking, so I wasn't sure. Yeah, I mean, so it, I, I had listened through this afternoon to tighten on my notes, and I've only made notes where I had something to say about a specific song. So Blood Passed, and I don't have it on my list. But what I will say is that there isn't a song on this album I don't like. Mm-hmm. Um, even, e- so I, I actually, I have nothing to contribute on Blood. It, it obviously hasn't really stuck with me, so maybe that mm-hmm. kind of maybe that does agree with your point that it's not you know one of the stronger tracks but i think also to your point about it swinging wildly from high to low i mean let's talk about our love right i i should i should hate that Mm. song but fuck me like if you're going to write a ballad then biffy clyro this is how you do it um (laughs) take out claudio's vocals though and it's it's space by biffy clyro or or fucking rearranged or something right Mm. like Mm. send the drummer in away we've got a drum machine and it's going at like 60 beats a minute yeah (laughs) i think um uh, our our love our love is a worse part um rather than a worse song but um i think blood and our love um have something in common in that it's um it's very much the Claudio that's been around since the colour before the sun, which uh, which is the side of Claudio I, I dislike, which is wife guy Claudio. Wife guy Claudio, yeah. It's very <laughs> interesting reading. So on Apple Music, he did like a track by track talk through of the album. Yeah, and I, I, it is that absolute shift that we've talked about before, where before it was all space gnomes without <laughs> without any other context given right it was just like this is what it is it's a comic there you go whereas every single song here when he's talking through it he mentions either his wife or atlas or lockdown mm. like he, he's not kind of shielding it or or pretending any as much anymore that it's not about him mm. and not about things close to him he's yeah. just kind of having fun writing that stuff into some kind of imaginary narrative as well yeah um and yeah they're, they're definitely a running theme throughout it is is definitely <laughs> that kind of thing i mean our love as well he said was very early on in lockdown he got a cork synthesizer and that song's the result of his first little play around with it mm. and i think that's my week i haven't said it that's my weakest thing about the album as a whole is i do think so it reminded me a little bit of like the Iron Maiden albums where they first start using synths and mm. things like that. You can tell it's the first time they've really started trying <laughs> to properly go in with that. And it it's maybe not as accomplished as acts that have been using that stuff for a long time. It sounds dated at times because it sounds a bit too 80s or a bit too, Do you know what I mean? It's that kind of... Yeah. I, I Like I said, I love that they're trying it, but I feel like maybe on the next album they will have kind of found how they want to use that and a bit more of a what's the word I'm looking for 
cohesive maybe yes. uh, yeah. Uh, yeah yeah yeah, yeah congruous yeah. yes I, yeah i i just i just love the idea because i mean i got a, a little midi keyboard for the first christmas um during the yeah. pandemic like a lot of us have fucked around with synths during lockdown. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Not all of us are in a band with a major label record deal. I love the idea that that's what we're hearing. It's just what he was doing, just going out of his mind in lockdown, just yeah. poking away and going through the list of synths, going, oh, this, what's the one? This squelchy noise sounds good. I have like an hour of unlistenable, horrible nonsense in Garage Band. He's yeah. got himself a ballad out of it. Fair play. Yeah. I mean, what's linked? What's linked to that whole thing as well is the only other song we haven't talked about yet, which is "Bad Man." Yeah. Uh, did he let his child name that song? <laughs> but, uh, but, um, Mummy, it's, it's the bad, bad man. man. Um, <laughs> I mean, I, I just, I really like how sleazy that song is. Like, it's one yeah. of the few, few songs where you can actually work, hear what's going on with the bass. Uh, so obviously I quite enjoy it. I mean, it's got like I, a dark I pop kind of. Yeah, feel to I've it. got it's like an eighties pop song meets early Kanye West and then goes to an arena rock gig on the chorus, yeah. which is you know <laughs> the, the how much that... you enjoy the song will depend on how much you enjoy those elements. I think. Yes, <laughs> the thing that links it to that whole kind of lockdown thing and everything is the power that <laughs> I just love this so much. Uh, by his own admission, when he kind of wrote. Uh, the the vocals to this one mm. he was high as fuck and just trying to do his best to imitate Michael Jackson checks out 100% yeah. checks yeah. out I do not query any of that <laughs> <laughs> Again, I mean this is just making him way more relatable to me yeah. like they're just a dude at, it's locked down I got, I'm getting really high and I'm fucking around with my musical instruments yeah. I, it's working for me but I could also understand why people might be like yeah you could have just kept that to yourself <laughs> so um, I, I'm just conscious of, of time as I think you are as well like are sure. we, what, what, um, what do we get are we get so before a bit of yeah, I mean, just anything, um, any any other business, really. Um, yeah, I've got uh, I've got a little bit of a question for the group, right? So, obviously, downloads going to four days next year. And, Fuck uh, off, really? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Ugh, my God. Yeah, the the tickets have gone up to three hundred plus quid. Yeah, um, but um, I mean, it's imitating Hellfest, isn't it? Let's make as much money as possible. But um, he's got to pay for his cowboy hat somehow. Sure. <laughs> The um, the hot rumours are that next year we're going to get Ghost, Bring Me and two Metallica sets as those four headlines headliners. What do you what day do you think um, Coheed will fit best on? Ghost. Yeah, I was immediately going to say Ghost. Yeah, no they've hesitation. got the, they've got the same. If if people are going to be able to enjoy Ghost without being distracted by the theatrics and the over the top cheesiness of it, the same would go for Coheed. I yeah, they're like also they're also two of the the two bands that have um released okay it's not fair to call our love a power ballads but <laughs> ballads like big epic festivaly ballads this year on yeah. what are otherwise rock albums mm. yeah i don't i don't think that, that that's a, a head scratcher at all what do you mm. think ollie um yeah i mean yeah like um i think in terms of stage show they fit well together, um, like presence. Um, you know, writing the, songs about other people but pretending they're about like the plague, <laughs> for example. Um, I don't know. The, the 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 armchair lads might be a bit uh, um, <laughs> confused about Cohen and Fre uh, um, Ghost in one day. Um, yeah, like I don't know if Cohen are bigger enough, but um, like. So I've seen Coheed at Download before. That was third headlining under Deftones and Tool. I'm not quite sure they're that big any, um, no. big enough to do no. that anymore. But mid-afternoon, stick them on with Ghost. Yeah, I think that'd be a lovely day, to be fair. I think, I mean, we probably haven't got time to get into this in detail, but you've hit on a really interesting point, which I think ties mm. back to what you were saying, Chris, about them trying to appeal to what well, sorry was it, you said talked about them appealing to different bookers or was that uh, that, that was me that was you yeah. sorry Ollie. yeah mm. um oh, yeah they're in a very i mean they're in a good position i think career-wise like you know the, yeah the, they have been for a while but um it, it is a strange one because everything you've just said is true do they fit with ghosts don't really know probably definitely not going to appeal probably to most bring me the horizon no. fans no. i saw them on the um vaxus one cycle at mm -hmm. rose rock 
Yeah. A bunch of hardcore kids didn't want to see them. They were on the main stage. Yeah, I think yeah. second headliner, me and Jay just walked up to the front. There was a, there was yeah. a couple of hundred people there. It, it, mm-hmm. They just they've never really been. They always did. They were they were lumped in with emo bands because, you know, they had a couple of emo pop punk songs and they were on yeah. um, Equal Vision, but yeah. they never really fit in that world. And yeah. it's just continuing this sort of like there isn't really another band like that. Right. I mean, I get so even Coheed Tool Deftones, what a run. Yeah, but they're not. They're they're not they don't really. Don't really fit like in there. Do they? Those bands in the slightest. The, no. pop, the pop elements and things mean that they can get <coughs> scoffed at by may, people may, who are big fans of that. Yeah, they, may, they, may, they, may, 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 maybe the closest at all. But I think uh, from what you're saying there, the the bands um, that they fit most with at the time and and now that they're back is the Mars Volta. And even then, that mm. would be a, such a weird tour booking. Yeah. That wouldn't fit I, at all. I, I think they are um, one of those bands where, for a lot of the people, they are maybe like the the heaviest band that they listen to, or like the one rock band that they're into. Or, you know, I know mm. a lot of people who are banging into stuff like Alt J and everything, everything, but they sure. love Coheed as well. You know, mm-hmm. and it's it's just, but you wouldn't, yeah, it, it's they're a weird band, and I I'm as long as they stay weird. Uh, mm. then I'm happy with that I think yeah. it just means that we do have to put up with some nonsense I was going to say yeah based on the evidence we have uh, there's no signs of that not happening <laughs> yeah yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. Like, it, it will they're always, not going to go butt rock anytime no, soon no. it will always make for an interesting and fun revisited episode so bring on Vax's 3 <laughs> for the reunion with Rob uh, but um, before we pop off we need to find out where this comes in your ranking so did you um, did you look up what you ultimately plumped on as your ranking last time? I, so I seem to recall, have you revi- or have you revised no, it? No, I haven't, but I know that I revised them between episodes because there did. was quite a long gap between yeah. between the two records and mm. um, the note, like, like my notes on it. I'm not sure which episode they're from, but I, mm. I know that In Keeping Secrets was my number one, and I know yep. that Good Apollo was my number two. And I think, I... but I think you ended up deciding no on the uh, when, when we reconvened that No World for Tomorrow was your number two. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I'm a very indecisive man. Yeah. <laughs> 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 no, but, uh... you, no, talking about that record with you guys, um, actually, yeah, I, I go back and forth on it because one of my, the, the the one other friend I have who really loves Coheed, who I talk to them uh, about them a lot. His favorite album is No World for Tomorrow. Coheed, yeah. I've said before, one of the bands that when I listen to them, whatever album I just listen to is my favorite album by them. Mm. I, th- I think I do need to revert to, to, to the original <laughs> top three um, because it, it is, you know, as much as I do like No World for Tomorrow, um, since then, In Keeping Secrets and Good Apollo have remained the two albums that I go back to the most. So uh-huh. I, I think we're all kind of aligned on those being the two best ones, yes, broadly, yes. If, mm-hmm. if not on the order. Yeah. So, but um, then where does this um, figure for you? If, Number three, uh, with a no, bullet. Right. That, that, that's why Above I'm focusing on the More than No World for Tomorrow. Absolutely more than No World for Tomorrow. Wow. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. And again, that, the thing is, this is, this is, there is, there is some recency bias here, right? You're asking me mm. three months after the album came out. It's sure. an album I've listened to more than any other record this year. Mm-hmm. Um, in a year where actually, I mean, this is kind of on me, but like I haven't really listened to as because I normally do. So, 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 so maybe we should be asking uh, the, um, you about this more in an album of the year context than a Kobe yeah, context. Yeah, I think so. <laughs> but, but at the moment, I, I think that... Um, yeah, so set the, the friend who loves No World for Tomorrow, uh, he now thinks that this is their best album. So right. uh, it, I've had some very... Li- I, it's been very polarising, I think, in the fan base as well. It's, it's quite divisive, really, But yeah... Um, but for me, I- I'm going to put it at number three now, and then when we, if we ever speak again, I'll be like, "Oh, guys, just need to <laughs> take a mark." <laughs> okay, Chris, what about yourself? Yeah, my, I, I surprised myself this morning. I only, I only put it into my ranking this morning. Mm-hmm. Uh, final listen through. Uh, so on first listen through, when it first came out, I would have guessed it'd be in my bottom three. Mm-hmm. It's ended up my number four. So interesting. It's, so I've got Good Apollo, In Keeping Secrets, Second Stage Turbine Blade, and then this. That's okay. actually a surprise just based on what you've said yeah. today. Uh, but yeah. I think looking at my ranking, I think what it is, is actually the things I don't like about it, I don't think are bad. 
they're just not my thing and not necessarily what I'd go to Coheed for. And they are quite few. Whereas every album I've got under that in my ranking, there are there is at least one song that I actively really dislike. Yeah, that, so that's something... Sorry, maybe I should have done this with any other business, but I, I do think that the really the really standout thing for this album, and I think, Ollie, you probably disagree here for me, is that, yeah, I'm with you, Chris. Mm. Even my favourite album by them has my least favourite song by them on it, which is, of course, <laughs> Al the Fucking Killer. Um, <laughs> this song is... is This album may lack the highs for, for some people, but it definitely lacks those just undeniable lows that mm. when they're just like, who thought this was an idea? Yeah. You know, those this is it. Like even so, a disappearing act is my worst track. Mm. I wouldn't say I hate it. It still makes me smile if 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 it's on. You know, sure. I still kind of appreciate the fun that they've gone with for it, and the like. I enjoy the fact that they're doing something completely different to what they've ever done before. So I mm-hmm. think that's probably why it's ended up there. I was I was really struggling with whether I prefer this to Unheavenly Creatures because that's my number five, um, which is where it was when we finished before. Mm. And I think the big thing is that Unheavenly Creatures has got points on it that I actively really dislike. And is just so bloated and too long. Like so long. It's so long. And I long. think they remedied that this time round. So mm. I think that's why I've put it yeah. above it. Okay. So, um, oh, poor Noel for tomorrow. This is, uh, <laughs> yeah, coming. Because I feel the highs of that record are, are higher than this one. Like, um, yeah, uh, if I'm putting uh, if I'm putting uh, Shoulders and Elias Club up against what I really loved on No Well For Tomorrow, i.e. the title track, Mother Superior, Grave Makers, and Just As A Murder, oh. No Well For Tomorrow kills it. <laughs> You're right. God damn you. Both of you. Just, I'm so suggestible. Because part of, part of what happened with No Well For Tomorrow for me is, mm. Chris, I recall you made a comment about it just being a little bit too classic rock. It's my and number eight, I, yeah. Yeah, when I went back to it, I could hear exactly what you meant. So uh-huh. it's... But, but I think but, it just but, speaks but, but, to the band. Like I can't yeah. have a fixed ranking for the for them, which I realise defeats the object of your, your podcast. Yeah, but I can really agree. <laughs> <laughs> but um, so yeah, I've got a um, a middle group here with Coheed in my ranking of albums I can't quite make an mm. ultimate decision on. So that's um, yeah. So my my top four is pretty set. In keeping secrets, good Apollo four, second stage, and no world for tomorrow. And Vax's two comes in at number five. That's cool. Um, oh, wow. okay. That's higher so, than I thought it was going to be. Yeah. yeah so likewise. yeah. A lot higher than Vax's one, which ended up number nine. Yeah. And um, yeah, alongside Afterman Dissension and Colour Before the Sun, they're albums that I've liked at various points, disliked at others, or slash, you know, got a bit tired mm. of. Um, Vax's two, I think, may improve with, with, with a later listen, especially after this conversation. Um, you you uh, you've both made some very good points about um, yeah con- conceding to the production style being weak, but pointing to um, you know the lasting value of some of the songs here, which is more than I can say than certainly some stuff some of the stuff off uh, Descension and Colour Before the Sun. Yeah, no, and Colour Before the Sun is a really interesting one because. Um, for for a long time, that was right. I there for I me. loved but it at you, the time. You you said that you loved it at the time, but you never mm. go back to it. And I have to say, hard same. Apart mm. from a couple of songs, you know, Here to Mars being the obvious one, mm. never feel the urge to put that on as an album, even though it's their shortest album by or mm. one of their shortest albums. You know, mm. Mm. by by about an hour. <laughs> <laughs> interesting cool. though so actually broadly pretty positive all rounds yeah, yeah. Pretty, their... pretty similar in terms of where we where we have it in the in the overall thing really yeah. yeah um yeah like i i'm still not quite sold on coheed mark ii mm. um you know it, yeah it's been for someone who loved the earlier stuff so much it's been a difficult transition for Just me coheed to the window of the waking wife <laughs> <laughs> Um, yeah, it, it 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 may take another vaxis for me to 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 really sink my teeth in, and I and and next time I need more nuance. Or 
a divorce. <laughs> yeah, bring back the unhappy about his ex-girlfriend, it's, it's Claudio. The, it's the Ben Gibbard death cab thing. Like, I'm happy for you, but your songs suck now. Hey, look, Love Murder 1 was him channeling frustration with his wife over lockdown and wanting to leave. So, uh, you know. Oh. <laughs> oh. <laughs> we don't want to hear that. <laughs> <laughs> this just made it sad. Poor, poor little Atlas. <laughs> we'll see you down there, apart from inspire some dog shit songs. Um, but, um... <laughs> is that him, do you reckon, behind me there? <laughs> I mean, this is I, so. This is the other thing I was going to say. The, the themes of all the characters on the album stuff and the artwork, it is the most thinly veiled uh, metaphor as well, right? Because mm. you look at that artwork and what the themes of the song and the whole storyline of this album is, it's Claudio, his wife, and Atlas. Yeah. Like... That, that's who those people are. Yeah. Isn't it? Like that's just, you know, uh, slightly, slightly, like I say, slightly comic bookified versions of. <laughs> I, I, I've, all, I think we probably talked about this, but I, I've always found the law around Kohi to be yeah. the least interesting thing yeah, about yeah. them. I just, does anyone really give a shit about it? It's, it's weird how hard they lead into it sometimes. Like, I think. Yeah, 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 but like, at least with the. Um... Uh, the original Amory Wars, you could tell what was going on here. You, uh, I could tell slightly what was going on here. I've got no clue whatsoever. <laughs> no. I don't, uh, yeah, like Chris says, I don't know if there's even a story. It's just basically an excuse for Claudio to slightly hide his own experiences behind characters, which is what he's doing anyway, yeah. but better in the old days. Yeah. In my opinion. So there we go. Vexus 2, Window of the Waking Mind. Well, that's very fun, chaps. Thank you ever so much for coming on again, Rob. Thanks for having me. Always a pleasure. Um, follow Rob at Puns and Roses on Twitter for more ridiculous opinions about music. Um, <laughs> Can't disagree. <laughs> and um, yeah, have a lovely rest of your weekend, mate. We're going to go on to Beyonce's Renaissance. You won't, nice. break my, you won't break my soul, Rob. <laughs> I will eventually. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, lads. Bye bye. Take care, mate. Thanks, Rob.